This is Sports Talk with Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All righty, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network here on a... It is Thursday, right? Because last night I thought it was Thursday. It is Thursday. It's big Thursday night here on Sports Talk. Good to have you with us. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel from our studios here in downtown Columbia. Chris Bergen joining us from the HTC Center at Coastal Carolina. There's exciting Coastal Carolina basketball taking place tonight. If you don't believe me, just listen to the music in the background. You know when Bergen... You know when he's ready to talk, he just turns on his mic and he just blows everybody away with the background noise. Uh, everybody pumped up, fired up, jacked up about having the thundering heard. I bet you Alan, the bad boy Smothers, is there wearing martial attire. I, I have not seen Alan yet. My guess is he will be here because he's awfully close to this program and certainly head coach Dan D'Antoni. That goes all the way back to D'Antoni's days at Sockesty High School with the uh, beach ball classic as well but I'm, I'm waiting to see if Allen will roll in in a bison costume for Marshall but yeah I think everybody's pumped Coastal excited to be back home it's been a while since they played a home game Phil and they've lost five in a row and Marshall not the team that you want to face on a five game losing streak they're as good as anybody in the Sun Belt so this will be a big challenge for CCU for sure absolutely they need to get it going had a tough road trip now they're home for uh what four in a row home for four, four in a row, row and a chance weekend. to Get some momentum going towards the tournament? Well, and when you look at it from mid-major perspective, that's all that really matters. It's unfortunate, but everything during the regular season, for the most part, is window dressing, with the caveat that the regular season champion will get a bid to the NIT if they don't qualify, don't win the auto bid to go to the NCAA tournament. But aside from that, everything is gearing up towards the trip down to Pensacola at the end of the month. And Coastal's got to turn it around. I asked Cliff Ellis, you know, he's they've lost – pretty much in every conceivable way the last five ball games, And he said, we've just got to score. Mm-hmm. Now, as simple as that sounds, it's pretty true. Coastal struggled shooting the basketball, and so they've got to turn it around. And here you're facing a team that has one of the nation's leaders in block shots. They've got two seven-footers on the front line and the nation's 10th best score in Tavion Kinsey. So you're going to have to score because, you know, Marshall will. They're second best in the Sun Belt. Averaging just over 80 points a ball game, so Coastal can't keep this in the 60s. They're going to have to find a way to get it up in the mid to upper 70s, maybe around 80 points to have a chance tonight. All right, and uh, based on the noise, it sounds like the place is packed. Is it uh, standing room only, people uh, lined up down the sidewalks trying to get in? There are, and I can count them, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, behind me about four more people there about 20 people in the stands (laughs) so the music is not for the folks in the stands and a funny story about that we were recording coach ellis's pregame interview for our radio broadcast and we usually do it sometimes in the back hallway sometimes out here on the floor and about halfway through they cut on the music 
and that distracted coach to the point that we had to stop the interview, and then I had to go through and edit it uh, to fix it so we didn't hear the stoppage because of the loud noise. Yeah, I, I don't quite understand why basketball gyms want to be like rock concerts, especially considering nowadays most of the players are out here in earbuds hmm. listening to their own stuff. That's they don't true. even need the music in the, uh, in the background. That's an excellent point. They're not listening anyway. All right, so we've got that going on tonight. We've got South Carolina women playing tonight <clears throat> down at Auburn, the top-ranked Gamecocks, 23-0, in the SEC. Auburn is 13-9, and 3-7 in SEC play on paper. This should be a game South Carolina should handle. The Gamecocks are averaging 82 points a game. The Tigers average 69 points per game. Ouch. Yeah, the Gamecocks are shooting 47% from the floor. The Tigers shoot 40%. Of course, the Gamecocks don't shoot it well from deep, only 30%, about 31%. Auburn at 32%, and neither team shoots it well from the uh, free throw line. But the Gamecocks are only giving up 48 points per game. Their scoring margin is an unbelievable 34 points per game. That's just and incredible. And that includes a 52-point victory when these two teams met in Columbia earlier this year. That, uh, among a lot of stats with USC's women's basketball team, are astonishing. But, Phil, one that is really, really interesting and part of the reason I think they're going to the Final Four and I think they're going to win the national championship is because they lead the country in rebounding their own shots. 50% of their missed shots, they go and collect. Mm. You find me another team in the country that's anywhere close to that. Yeah. Well, their rebounding margin is 21 and a half. They're out-rebounding teams by an average of 21 and a half boards per game. That's ridiculous. They're averaging almost 10 blocks and almost eight steals per game. So now Auburn can play some defense. They're turning you over at a pretty good rate, and they're averaging about 10 steals per game. A lot of people will be watching the point guard situation at South Carolina. Will it continue to be Kiera, uh, Kiera Jack? Is it? Uh, let me double-check my names here. Uh, is it going to continue to be Kiara Fletcher uh, running the point guard spot, which is um, what uh, Don Staley said uh, earlier this week and I think after the game the other night, even though it, she did not uh, play as much at the point, uh, will it continue to be her or um, will they have Raven Johnson, the freshman, running more at the point? That'll be something to keep an eye on moving forward as the Gamecocks try. You know, now is the time of year – uh, you don't want to lose any games. And, of course, you got the big game against LSU coming up on Sunday. But regardless of what happens on Sunday, and you want to win that game, but you're you're gearing everything up now for postseason play for South Carolina, right? You're trying to keep everybody healthy. You want to find your top, well, in this case, maybe your top nine or ten and get everybody in the right spot and the right mindset to make that run where you don't even have to leave the state of South Carolina. you got the SEC tournament in Greenville. You'll host first and second round games. You'll go back to Greenville for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. And then if you're winning, you'll go on to Dallas to go play where you've won a national championship before. I mean, who's going to beat them in, in the state? Uh, they're so good at home that I don't know who can challenge them. They'll get some uh, competitive games as the tournament unfolds, but I just don't see them struggling to get out of the NCAA tournament to the Final Four because they've got home court advantage. I mean, they'll have the best crowds of any team in the NCAA Women's Tournament. And, Phil, you talked about that LSU game, and I found I saw a fascinating story that I did not realize 
Corey Diaz, who used to cover the uh, Gamecocks for the Greenville News, he's out in uh, Baton Rouge, I think, working for the Advocate out there, or in New Orleans, I'm not sure which, but he covers LSU. He wrote a story today that back when Nancy Wilson, former women's basketball coach at USC, was stepping down, and ultimately USC hired Susan Walvius, that Kim Mulkey was one of their choices. Could you imagine how different the fortunes might have been for you? Not that things have worked out poorly now for USC, but go back 20 years. If they had gotten Kim Mulkey before she ended up going to Baylor and winning three national championships there, how different the landscape of women's basketball might be? Well, yeah. I mean, would Dawn Staley have ever ended up at South Carolina if Kim Mulkey had beaten her to the punch at South Carolina? I mean... You'd never have you'd be you'd be building a statue to Kim Mulkey, I guess. I'm, I'm assuming she could have come to South Carolina and taken the success she had at Baylor and applied it at South Carolina under the same, and maybe with even more resources to work with at South Carolina for women's basketball. Well, at the time, she was remember still an assistant at her alma mater, Louisiana Tech, and she was so loyal. According to Corey's story, she was so loyal to Louisiana Tech that she thought it was better to stay there because, in her mind, she was going to take over when the uh, current coach retired and stepped away. That never happened. They couldn't come to terms, and then she goes to Baylor. And the rest is kind of history. And so Louisiana Tech made as good as their women's program used to be. Probably made a major mistake letting her get out of Louisiana, and LSU made sure they brought it back. Okay, uh, our phone number here on Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us, and I know we have some open lines now, we have uh, some stations who are carrying the uh, USC men's basketball coaches show, the Lamont Paris show, in our first hour. So that opens up some room for those of you who maybe you think you can't get through. Well, right now would be a good time. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. And, of course, um, if you can hear us, then you can't hear this anyway. But if you're listening to us and you lose us for whatever reason, we've got our streams up on Twitter and uh, on our YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Sports Talk Media Network, and on our Facebook page, which is, creatively enough, Sports Talk Media Network. We've made it very simple for you. Twitter is at Sports Talk SC. The website is sportstalksc.com. Facebook and YouTube are Sports Talk Media Network. So that's how you can find us. If you can't hear us anytime over the air, maybe you travel outside the region. Maybe your station that carries Sports Talk normally doesn't have it that particular night. That's how you can find us. Very simple. Pull us up on your mobile device. Pull us up on your laptop. Uh, put us on your television and watch us on YouTube. And don't stare at us because it might hurt your eyes, but you can hear us and just kind of watch us here as we um, we don't do very much. I mean, as far as watching us on the big screen, I don't know, Chris and Pat, on a 68-inch uh, HD television monitor or something larger than that, it's nothing but a big head popping up there. That might be scary. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd let the children watch, but um, maybe you can do some things with your settings in your television to make it look a little better. Adjust well, the, the color. Is, all of us, Pat included, have uh, gone through the acne phase now that we've grown up, so we don't have uh, pimples that it would oh. really be crystal clear on an HD 68-inch television. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. By the way, and Pat, I know you're excited, uh, Pat is going up to Chapel Hill to cover Clemson at North Carolina on Saturday. The Tigers... That's a tough assignment when you're thinking about trying to break a two-game losing streak, and you got to go to Chapel Hill 
to break it. I mean, I know the Tar Heels are struggling themselves. What are they on a four-game losing streak? I mean, they've been in a bit of a slump here of late as well. Uh, probably not a good time to travel up to Chapel Hill and try and and beat those guys. But the good thing for Clemson, Pat, is that they've had this week off to kind of whatever it is they had to get back to, get back to it, but also get everybody healthy. They should have, have – unless somebody got hurt this week or got sick, they should have, have everybody ready to go on Saturday. And we'll see if it's good enough for them to beat the Tar Heels up there for the second time ever. Yeah, that's right, Corn. And uh, UNC is coming off three straight losses. You got to think both of these teams have had a lot of hard practices lately, and they're going to be coming out looking to rebound, get their seasons back on track. North Carolina at one point was the prohibitive favorite to win the national championship last year after their, I don't want to call it a Cinderella run, but their unexpected run in the NCAA tournament last year, majority of their talent coming back. But this year, it just, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to have quite worked out for them thus far but there's still time left for them to get back on track, and they, of course, have the firepower to do so quickly. As for the Clemson Tigers, also on a losing streak of their own, you hit the nail on the head. This time for additional practices. During the season, more so in the NBA, but also in college, practices are hard to come by. When you have that many games, you also have to deal with academics. A lot of these guys, you're not able to fit in that many practices with your whole squad, Mm -hmm. and now lately with the uh, the injuries, the injury bugs that they've had. We're seeing uh, Alex Hemingway try to figure out his way back into the into the rotation. Brevin Galloway coming back from his injury, shaking off a little bit of rust. You're just having to try to kind of reconfigure, and Chase Hunter, of course, coming back, reconfigure that rotation for Brad Brownell and the Tigers. In these last couple games, I would attribute a lot of that to being them just trying to kind of recalibrate themselves, figure it back out. I expect now, after multiple practices, we're going to see a Clemson Tigers team come out locked and loaded, but so will UNC. It might be quite a battle up in Chapel Hill. Well, you, um, you're going to have a great time up there. It's, no you know, nothing like going to a basketball game this time of year on Tobacco Road, especially if you can go to Durham or go to Chapel Hill. NC State's great when NC State's playing pretty well. When Clemson goes up there in a couple of weeks, that should be the heck of a ball game. And Wake Forest got a big win over the Tar Heels. Tar Heels have lost three in a row, not four in a row. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm predicting the future. Uh, but right now they're sitting on a three-game losing streak. And, Chris, this is the – again, this net thing will drive you crazy when you try to figure it out. So here's Clemson. They're 18-6 and six overall. They are 10-3 and three in the ACC. And here's North Carolina. They are 15-9 and nine overall, 7-6 and six in the ACC. Clemson has three Q1 wins. North Carolina has one. But North Carolina has a 45 net ranking – and Clemson has a 69 net ranking. Again, the data they throw into that computer and spit out these rankings, it's just hard to rationalize when you when you just look at it from a common sense standpoint. Well, and the concern you have if you're Clemson, North Carolina hardly ever loses at home, and you've got to find a way to play defense against them, especially in the post. And first off, P.J. Hall's got to stay on the floor against the North Carolina team that goes to the free throw line an inordinate amount of times. And I just, it, it's a bad mix if Clemson doesn't show up, as Pat pointed out, locked and loaded on the defensive end of the floor. Mm-hmm. Let's forget about offensively. You've got to slow down the Tar Heels, who are averaging nearly 80 points a ball game. It's a similar circumstance that Coastal faces here tonight at Marshall. And 11th nationally in the amount of free throws that they're able to attempt at ball games. So Clemson's got to find a way to stay, keep them off the line, play good defense, and just be in the ball game with five minutes left to go and see what happens. 
And guys, I tell you, I'm really looking forward to the P.J. Hall, Armando Baycott, uh, the two of them facing off. That should be quite a matchup all night long. But I, I, I do wonder where Clemson will be able to – UNC has started putting in Pete Nance a lot more. He has really became more uh, important part of their rotation. And I wonder if P.J. Hall will be able – or who will help P.J. Hall stop that duo that the, the Tar Heels have underneath. Okay, phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina. Education lottery lucky number. And since 2002, more than $6 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to support South Carolina educational programs. You can learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. Playing for funds, a win for education. Mike Morgan at 705. North Greenville baseball coach Landon Powell at 735. Plus, a lot of recruiting coming up. We'll be back. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax, win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. All right, phone number 888-898-2525. Let's go to Hank in Columbia. Been a while since we heard from Hank, about, oh, 22 hours or so. Hank, welcome into Sports Talk. Appreciate you making us the most vital part of your day, probably more important than eating, bathing, and kissing your wife goodbye. Welcome in. Now, just looking at that big blue hat you got on. I'm not sure what that emblem is. That's uh, from the Phoenix Open. I'm... I'm being uh, appropriate with the Phoenix Open being played this weekend. I'm wearing a Phoenix Open baseball cap. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I I thought it might have been something else. I couldn't read the writing, but I'll leave that alone. <laughs> okay. What else could it be? Does it look fun? <laughs> I, nah, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Okay. But um, I was calling because I remember we had a conversation and you talked a lot about uh, back during December about um, uh, Darius Rush and – and we know how you all felt about the players who opted out to get ready for the draft. And, and I think there's been some players on some local stations that have been doing some interviews and they just talked about some of them that have been, that had injuries basically the last two or three games where they were getting treatment every game going into it. And I don't know if you looked, but Darius Rush ended up um, a completely healthy Darius Rush at the senior practices ended up running 21 miles per hour, which was fastest amongst um, the DBs, and also had one of the best uh, um, skill practices, the one-on-ones, 
and he actually bumped himself up when you look at Mel Kuyper. He bumped up from somebody that was more of like a six-round, six-round, uh, seven-round guy mm-hmm. up to uh, a third, fourth-round It's a lot of money. Okay. Um, you're kind of breaking up there a little bit. I hear what you're saying. So what you're saying, you're defending their decision to not play in the bowl game. Look, if the guys were hurt and couldn't play 100% in the bowl game and needed treatment, that's fine. Where I have a problem is if you're not hurt, you're totally healthy, and you opt out because you want to go ahead and start prepping for the NFL combine and the NFL draft, um, I think you can help yourself a lot of ways if you play in the bowl game and really increase your stock by playing in a real game and having the NFL people see you there before you – I mean, I know Rush went down to Mobile and did very, very well in the senior bowl practices – and I think in the game itself. So he helped himself a lot there. But, um, you know, I, I still, if you're healthy and able to play, I think you owe it to your team and to your coaching staff to play all the way through. That's just my approach on that kind of thing. Well, Corn, one of the things that I'll say about that whole deal was, you know, a guy that's healthy, you would, I would like to see guys play all the way through. And I remember I said one of the things that would have helped that if the NFL – push the combine back because they, they, they have the combine so early and that, and that senior bowl stuff so early, yet they have, um, yet they, they'll have, you know, we'll have senior days going around later March and April. And if the NFL could just slow it down a little bit, then those guys who could play in some of those bowl games would have adequate enough time because I know for Rush, personally, he took off some weeks it was just straight treatment before it was any training. It was treatment to get that hamstring back um, right. So I think it, I think it does affect it, these timelines, just like that signing day timeline with the coaches. Yeah. Well, good luck getting the NFL to change anything because, I mean, they are the NFL, and they really can't uh, be touched. Uh, the shield is the shield, and nobody's going to tell them what to do, and they're going to stick with their calendar. That calendar is working for them, Chris. I mean, they do have a nice flow with what they're doing. They get their all-star games going, the NFLPA game, the Senior Bowl. Then they've got the Combine coming up here in a few weeks in Indianapolis. Then you'll have the individual workouts on campus. And then you'll have, I don't know, maybe I guess the second biggest day on the NFL calendar outside of the Super Bowl, the draft. And then we're off again towards another season. Phil, I'm curious, you know, from the standpoint of comparing the Senior Bowl versus the Combine, if you're the NFL, where do you put more stock? A kid just coming off his season playing in the Senior Bowl or a couple of months after his season, maybe getting a chance to work out and get back into shape, also obviously heal up from any injuries versus the Combine. Where where do you think NFL scouts place more value? That's a very good question. Uh, I think they put heavy value on both because everybody of importance in the NFL is in Mobile for that entire week. So you get a week. You know, if I understand this correctly, when you're invited to come down for the Senior Bowl, you still have to make the game. So they have workouts. They have tryouts the first part of the week, if I understand their process correctly. And you get seen in all those practices and all those drills and all those workouts – by those GMs and those coaches and those coordinators. 
and they're keeping an eye on you, and they're, they're taking mental notes, and they're taking physical notes. And then if you make the game, you get to play in the game, and that's, I guess, icing on the cake. But yeah, I'm sure they use those notes when they're looking at who they want to invite to the combine. And then they get a chance, of course, to break it down even more. I guess, I mean, the combine is a true meat market because they're picking you apart physically, they're picking you apart mentally, and then they throw you through all these drills that they think are important towards defining what a great football player is, and they judge you from that. I would guess the combine is probably more important than what they do down at the Senior Bowl. you got more players to work with, I guess, at the at the combine than you do the Senior Bowl, and they can dig a little deeper and, and more individually with you. I would agree with you. I think the combine, and granted, we're only talking about a month's difference from the Senior Bowl to the combine, but I think NFL places a lot of value on what they get from the combine going into the draft. All right, they're both important. Are you off to a basketball game now? I am. Headed off Coastal and Marshall. Should be fun here tonight at the HTC. Okay. Well, after we sign off, we'll let our people go listen to you on the radio. But up until then, they're staying with us. Fair enough. I can deal with that. I don't want to ever compete with sports talk. (laughs) Those who have tried have failed repeatedly. And we'll be back after this break. All right, we've sent Chris on his merry way to call the basketball game tonight. Coastal Carolina Marshall, Phil and Pat, back at our studios here in downtown Columbia. Lines are back open for you. 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on this Thursday edition of Sports Talk. Lots in recruiting to come your way here in a little bit. And uh, let me mention, got some important news notes I want to get to. Uh, amongst your phone calls, 888-898-2525. By the way, did you see the rumor? I guess it's a rumor. saw it on Twitter that there is talk of limiting the number of tweets you can tweet per day and limiting the number of direct messages you can send out per day. Unless you are a Twitter Blue subscriber, they will have unlimited access. This is just, this was tweeted as a Twitter rumor. So, you know, with the new ownership, No telling what they might do, but keep an eye on that. Could be the end of the freedom on Twitter, which I'm all for. Kill it. Just flat out kill it and take Instagram with you. Sounds a lot like pay to play, huh? So now if you want to play, you got to pay. That's right. All right, there's several things to pass along. Speaking of pay, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey today announced that $721.8 million of total revenue was divided among the SEC's 14 programs for the 2021-2022 fiscal year that ended August 31st of 2022. That includes $698.5 million distributed directly from the conference office, as well as $23.3 million retained by universities that participated in bowl games to offset travel and other related bowl expenses. The amount distributed from the conference office, excluding bowl expenses retained by participants, averaged $49.9 million per school. 
let's just round that up and say $50 million per school, which will be peanuts in a few years when the playoffs begin because they are expected to maybe double that unless, <clears throat> unless ESPN is out of business. Of course, you saw the news this week that Walt Disney, the Disney company, was laying off 7,000 employees and looking at other cuts. Now, the president of Walt Disney Group was quoted as saying they're not touching ESPN, that everything is good with ESPN, blah, blah, blah. However, as you well know, if you follow this stuff, a lot of cord cutting going on out there when it comes to uh, the cable business and ESPN has been losing subscribers left and right, gaining some subscribers, and I think their ESPN Plus has worked well for them and created another major revenue flow. I mean, they're they're still making, what, billions or heavy millions, if not billions. They're still swimming in money. But my point here is these schools rely almost totally – or should I say, very heavily on their television contracts to finance everything, where it comes to these these big uh, contracts for the coaches, to renovations, to scholar well, not really scholarships, but everything else around their programs to support the the programs that um, are non revenue programs. I mean, somebody's got to pay for it, and that's where these TV contracts have come in. What happens if these TV contracts dry up? I mean, seriously, because ESPN is on the hook for truly billions of dollars in contracts moving forward with these colleges, with the pro leagues, and that's not a good sign. I don't care what, what's his name, Iger? Everybody in the Walt Disney business um, spectrum should be worried. This is not the first time they've had cuts, by the way. You know, ESPN's laid off a lot of big-time people over recent years. A lot of big-time personalities, writers, editors, photographers. Uh, So this is not the first time that this has been the case. And you should be worried, you know, if your business is laying off 7,000 people. You should be worried about that. So I would not just turn a deaf ear to it. I think you need to pay attention to what's happening there with that what else uh the columbia fireflies in conjunction with clemson and usc i'm sorry clemson no 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 clemson and the college of charleston announced that they're going to host the two schools neutral site baseball game at segra park march 28th at six o'clock tickets are now on sale for that so march 28th six o'clock segra park uh, we'll probably be over there for that, I would imagine. be a lot of fun. We were there last year when College of Charleston beat Clemson. And Privet, Privet or Privet? I think Coach Holbrook said Privet. I tend to say Privet, but it's only one way to pronounce somebody's name, and that's the correct way. So it's probably Privet. Uh, he was outstanding in shutting down Clemson the back end of that ball game last year. Co-defensive coordinator, linebackers coach Charlie Strong, not expected to return to Miami in 2023. Now, that story out this afternoon by Gabby Eurisha, 24-7's sports website covering Miami. In the days following, Mario Cristobal hiring Marshall and Tulane, hiring former Marshall and Tulane defensive coordinator Lance Guidry to the same role. Sources are telling inside the U that co-defensive coordinator 
Linebackers coach Charlie Strong not expected to return to the program in 2023. He becomes the fourth on-field staffer from the first Miami staff to move on, joining quarterbacks coach Frank Ponce, defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, and offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, who was fired. Boy, what a slap in the face to Charlie Strong to not be promoted to the D.C. job there at Miami after the uh, the other guy left, um, after Kevin Steele left. So somebody will hire him. You know, he's too popular, too good a coach, too many contacts. I imagine somebody will scoop him up and he'll be coaching somewhere before too long. We have the baseball preseason poll for the SEC coaches. Tennessee was picked first in the East. I saw one of the preseason All-American teams, one of the major All-American teams, and three of Tennessee's starting pitchers, like their entire starting rotation, was a first-team All-American. Each one of them was listed as a first-team All-American. We should know how good they were last year. Tennessee, Florida, Vanderbilt, South Carolina fourth, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri. That's the East, the West, LSU, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Alabama, Auburn, and Mississippi State. Of course, Tennessee uh, and LSU each got uh, 12 uh, first-place votes. This is from the coaches. So those two teams look like they are loaded up once again. We also have the Southern Conference Southern Conference preseason baseball poll out today as well. See if I can put my hands on that real quick. Southern Conference preseason poll where Wofford is the favorite. Wofford is the favorite to win the Southern Conference, followed by Mercer, UNC Greensboro, East Tennessee State. Hold on, I skipped Sanford. Wofford, Mercer, Greensboro, Sanford, East Tennessee State, Western Carolina, VMI, and the Citadel. You know, it's time for the Citadel to pick things up. You Citadel fans who might be listening, your teams have been last in everything of the major sports. Your teams have been pretty much last here for a little while in most everything. Now, you got a new football coach. You do have a a new basketball coach. Uh, Your baseball coach has been there for a few years, and much was expected of him, but it hasn't happened yet. So they're picked to finish last in the SOCON this year. They need to to pick things up there. We'll see what happens with these new coaches in place, see if they can can turn it around in some of these sports. I think they've got good coaches there now and uh, can't complain about the new guys that they have hired, especially in football and basketball. Uh, let's see here. What else we got for you? Uh, phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. No official word yet from the Gamecocks, but we're hearing the start date for their spring practice is going to be March fourteenth. Uh, Clemson is set to start spring practice on March the sixth, so keep an eye out for that. Looks like March fourteenth for the Gamecocks to open up spring practice. And let's see if there's anything else here. Um, da, 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 da. I think that is uh, pretty much it at this time. So let's get back to the phones. 888-898-2525 is the number. By the way, the College of Charleston bounced back at a nice home win last night over UNC Wilmington to sweep that regular season series. So they got things back on the right track down there in Charleston. Of course, they won their previous outing on the road at Delaware after losing a couple. With that in mind, let's go to Sam down in Charleston, Sam. Welcome into Sports Talk. How you doing? Uh, 
Um, Phil and Corbett, hope you guys are doing well. Great win last night from a great win for my boys last night. Um, we got the W. I was very proud of how we did. Um, couple of questions I want to point out. Well, well let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You, you raised your voice last night. I mean, was it, was it an exciting game? I mean, did they need you to kind of give that extra effort to get over the top last night? Well, actually, I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk to that. I couldn't talk to that because I lost my voice at the mm. game. Mm. But um, I feel great. But I think may may I give you a full bio real quick? If it's okay with you, if we have time, go right ahead. So I was really impressed with UNCW's scoring procedure, and um, a a former um, TFC star. I used to cook. I'm sorry, my words are running again. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, so his name is Nick Fayar. Fayar, sorry, I cannot pronounce his last name. That's okay. But um, he's a former CFC grad. Um, I used I used to be um, I used to be. Um, a team manager for him when Coach Orgrant was at the College of Charleston a long time ago. And then he um, has been drafted to UNCW. He said, I just want to be closer from home. And I thought, oh, boy, here we go again. And um, I got to tell you, Nick's doing really well. Um, I, I, I'm going to send you a picture after the – um, I'm gonna send you a picture in a while, but he's doing really well. He's just like a great um, ball athlete at UNCW. Um, I wish him the very, very best and best wishes to him and his family. But I, I talked to him briefly yesterday before the game. Um, he said he's doing really well. Their season's doing great, um, but I really feel bad for the team. I, I really feel bad for him because he's. It, he'll always be a Charleston Estonian, whatever he is. But um, the question I'm having for the both of you to ask you about this week is, is, is the college of Charleston going to the March Madness? Because I, I am saving my money to go out there with them. I, I'm going to tell my team about this. If we have a home game on the 13th, I said, guys, listen, I'm saving my money to go with you guys. And I, and I told you this. I promise that I promise I'll take you to the national championship. I don't care. We win. We got to win every single game. Don't lose because we are Charleston Cougars. And secondly, this year I am now celebrating my 10th year with the basketball team. How many years? 10 years. Wow. I think, I think there should be a statue erected of you, Sam, out there outside the uh, TD Arena as the number one Cougar fan of all time. We got to run. Thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, very nice win last night by the College of Charleston. They continue to lead the CAA. Well, they are tied with Hofstra for first place, 11-2, and two, but they are 22-3 and three overall. Their net is 57 They've only played one Q1 team, and they lost that game. And uh, 
but they are on a two-game winning streak now. So they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They were not in the tournament, according to Joe Lenardi, before last night. We'll see what Lenardi does when he has his next update. So uh, Charleston, I, I got a bullet course. One bid league, the CAA, I guess. Or do you think Charleston and Hofstra can both get in? Probably not. Hofstra is at 92, overall 17-8. and eight. I imagine you got to win the league uh, to get in here, the CAA, this year. And Charleston's having, you know, too good of a year, 22-3. and three. And coming up for them, they have um, uh, five more games to go. And the schedule is pretty weak down the stretch. They play a five-win Hampton team on the road Saturday, then back home on Monday for an eight-win Northeastern team. Then they go to Elon next Thursday. Elon's won three games. There is a nice showdown with Towson, February 23rd. Towson in Charleston. Towson's got 17 wins. And and then uh, Stony Brook, last game of the regular season in Charleston. Stony Brook's got six wins. So pretty light. I mean, they're playing teams ranked 350, 297, 328, 138, and 333. Phil, wins against Virginia Tech and Colorado State earlier in the year would have thought to have been good, but both of those teams are struggling, and that's hurting the Cougars. Yep, yep. All right, hit the break. Be back in a moment. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. All right, lines open, 888-898-2525. You can shoot us a message if you're watching our uh, feed on our YouTube channel. We monitor the comments there. If you want to say hello or have a suggestion, a comment or a question, you can reach us there as well. And let's see, uh, talking about good basketball, uh, College of Charleston, of course, it's going well for the, for the Cougars right now. How about those Furman Paladins? They have won 20 games for like the sixth time in the last – seven years I think it is and Bob Ritchie just doing a whale of a job right now they're tied with Sanford though they have the tiebreaker against Sanford and they're tied with Greensboro all three are 11 and two and Furman is um okay why am this why is this saying 17 and six I thought they had crossed the 20 I saw a release that they had crossed the 20 win plateau why am I not seeing that correctly here maybe I misread something Anyway, Furman is going well, continues to go well, and their last net ranking was 87th. 
They're on a seven-game winning streak, and uh, maybe they're headed towards 20 wins for the sixth time in the last seven years. I could have sworn I saw something that said they had 20 wins. Anyway, they're having an excellent year, and they are um, a hot team right now, as I mentioned. They've got Western Carolina. Now, Western Carolina had a big win last night. They had a couple of guys go over 30. I think they had one have 40 and one go over 30. They got Western. They got Citadel. They got East Tennessee State. They got Mercer. And then they've got a game at Sanford. So uh, the only the only team left on their regular season schedule with a winning record is Sanford. And it's there at Sanford. That might very well be for the uh, Southern Conference regular season championship. So I guess I got my old cart ahead of the uh, horse there. But maybe, just maybe, I had another flash. Maybe I had another moment where I was predicting the future there, Pat, you know, like I did uh, earlier in the show when I predicted. Uh, what do you I call had, that, a corn cast? Well, you know, when I, what did I say earlier in the show? I had somebody with a win already, but I was maybe I was a little ahead of myself, so maybe I'm predicting the future. So maybe I'm predicting the future here for Furman to get to 20 wins. Maybe so. You're speaking it into existence. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up, a little news note that, so we talk about mock drafts all the time. Uh, I feel like we mostly talk about NFL draft type stuff. But mm-hmm. I came across a WNBA mock draft, and I was curious what South Carolina Gamecock players would be predicting to get drafted. I thought for sure Aaliyah Boston, to nobody's surprise, is projected number one overall to the Indiana Fever. But beyond that, I kept looking for, for Zaya Cook's name to pop up, and it, it never did. As of right now, uh, with this mock draft, you can find on, on ESPN, along with other places, Aaliyah Boston's the only Gamecock currently projected to be to be drafted. Now, the WNBA does only have, uh, so there's 12 teams, there's only 24 picks total. There's only two rounds. Mm-hmm. So it could certainly be expected that a number of these players could be picked up or added as free agents, undrafted free agents. But it seemed a bit surprising to me that, that uh, Zaya Cook, who is the Gamecocks' leading scorer, she is, is nowhere to be found on there. There are four UConn Husky players as well and two Tennessee Volunteer players, but a bit surprising to me, only one Gamecock. Mm, interesting. You're right. You're right. Uh, the Varsity Collective, the NIL Collective for the University of Wisconsin, this is from Front Office Sports, that organization purchased a 15-minute block on a video billboard in Times Square to showcase the football team's 13 transfers and six early enrollees. First of all, that could not have been cheap. And second of all, what are you trying to do with that up in Madison, up in the, on Madison Avenue or in Times Square in New York? How does that benefit your football program? I wonder, other than people just seeing the video walking the streets of New York, how does that transfer into recruiting and winning football games? That's just spending money big time. Got to believe that's not cheap. A 15-minute block on a video billboard in Times Square, you know? You've seen that before, right? You've walked in Times Square, haven't you? You walk oh, yeah, in the sure. street and you see those big billboards and you see the, the video boards and all that. I'm, it can't be cheap. I'm just wondering how they expect a benefit from that. That's, that's crazy. A few other things here to catch up on. Uh, Doug Shaw will not continue as a head football coach at Palmetto High School. He will remain as the school's athletics director through the end of the school year and beyond that is undecided. Also, this is from Pete Yannity. Pete uh, tells us that Hillcrest High School's uh, Anthony Freight is also 
moving on. He's taking over the head coaching job at Wren. He was an assistant at Wren previously, went 26-12 and 12 in four seasons at Hillcrest. That's pretty doggone good up there at Hillcrest. Of course, they won a state championship with Greg Porter at Hillcrest, so they've, they've proven that that can be done. This week in Phoenix, you know, we had the gentleman on last night. I thought, now the information they had sent to me said he was in Phoenix, but last night when I asked uh, Doug Foreman of, or suggested he was in Phoenix, he said, no, I'm not in Phoenix. But anyway, per the FAA, area airports in Phoenix expect 1,000 private jets to be in for the golf tournament and for the Super Bowl. 4,000 additional takeoffs and landings, 1,100 additional aircraft parked. That is from the uh, front office sports people. High school basketball. Uh, rankings for this week in 5A boys, the top 10. Won't give them to you. Won't give them all to you, but we'll give you the top five. Dorman, Conway, Lexington, Somerville, and Goose Creek. And the girls, Stratford, Malden, Lexington, Somerville, Spring Valley. 4A boys, North Augusta, Lancaster, Catawba Ridge, Greenville, Westside. Girls, North Augusta, South Point, Westwood, South Florence, and Catawba Ridge. 3A boys, Crestwood, Orangeburg, Wilkinson, Manning, Wren, and Loris. To, uh, in the girls, it's Camden, Southside, Wren, Lower Richland, and Phillips Simmons. 2A boys, top 10, Gray Collegiate, Oceanside Collegiate, Keenan, Landrum, Andrew Jackson. Girls, Keenan, Gray Collegiate, Andrew Jackson, Silver Bluff, Bishop England. And 1A boys, top 10, Christchurch, Scotts Branch, Denmark, Oler, Great Falls, and High Point Academy. For the girls, Military magnet. Military magnet for the girls. Okay. Sounds like we got some girls down there to carry some rifles and do some military stuff and play good basketball. All right. Military magnet, Denmark Oler, High Point Academy, Lakeview, and Carver's Bay. Okay. We've hit the top of the hour break. We'll come back. Got a busy hour. Mike Morgan is coming up. Landon Powell, bottom of the next hour, recruiting as well. Oh, and a visit from Jim Corbett on the Murdoch trial. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. We are back. It is Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. We welcome those of you who are joining us across the state of South Carolina. I know you missed us. You missed a wonderful opening hour. You can go back and catch it on our uh, website, you can go back and catch it on our podcasts and our, po- our podcast locations. Uh, but in this hour, as we uh, move ahead, in just a moment, Mike Morgan will be here. Morgan on the move. He's got lots to talk about from his travels around the SEC basketball world in the last weeks. So we'll catch up with him on that. Bottom of the hour, one of Mike's all-time favorites, Landon Powell, head coach, defending national champion, Division II baseball team, off to a 4-0 start, North Greenville University. So we'll talk baseball with him, and we'll work in recruiting in there as well. All right, so we got a lot coming your way this hour of sports talk. Might squeeze in a quick call or two 
at uh, 888-898-2525, the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. And Mike Morgan joins us now here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Brent Skinner Clothing. Brent has not only become the leader in Columbia for the very best in men's clothing, but clients nationally have come to know Brent, and he has you covered if you want to look the very, very best. Brent and his staff provide you with professional and individual attention to create a wardrobe that distinctly and identifies you. Like when Mike Morgan is wearing clothes from Brent Skinner, I know that's Mike Morgan because it only identifies him. Custom suits and shirts, very best in shoes and accessories, all under one roof. If you can't make it to the Columbia store in the Vista, contact Brent and they will find you. Set up your appointment today at bpskinnerclothiers.com. All right, Mike joins us. And uh, Gamecock fans are really, really ticked off at you, Mike. Really ticked off. Really? Yeah, really pissed off. I was. Not that I'm a Gamecock fan. I'm just saying, well, because Tuesday night I turn on the SEC Network to watch South Carolina, Missouri, and yeah. we've still got your game going. And your game yeah. your game bled over into Gamecock time, and you can't have that. You cannot bleed over into Gamecock time. I know, I know. The nerve, the nerve of us all to uh to do that. Uh I I went ahead and uh started a petition mm-hmm. uh around the arena to end the game the moment the Gamecock game tipped off, regardless of how much time was left in our game. Mm-hmm. We would just end, and that would be the final score. That was not met with uh, universal approval, so we kept playing. Yeah, that was over in Athens, right? What do they care about basketball? Well, they're actually a little more excited than they have been because they got rid of Tom Crean, uh, <laughs> which was an abject disaster. Uh, my gosh, I don't know if a hire could have worked much worse than that unless they would have brought Darren Horn in for another run. Um yeah, it it's uh actually they're they're actually feeling pretty good about things. Now, they lost a disappointing game, that the one you're referencing on Tuesday night. But I think Mike White'll do a good job there. Look, Georgia's been a classic, classic underachiever in college basketball. It's no secret. Um and quite frankly, they've made some very questionable hires with their head coaches. But uh, the Mike White hire makes sense. Uh and I, I think Mike White will We'll get players there under NIL, and I think Mike White will do a pretty good job. Yeah. Watched Alabama last night play Florida. Oh, my gosh. Alabama is so good. I mean, so good. They hired the right guy. This guy can coach. This guy can recruit. Uh, He puts those pieces together, and and they play a style. I mean, great defense, but, uh, boy, up and down the court, athletic. I mean, can they win the national championship at Alabama with this team? I think so. Now, none of those players have made a deep run into a tournament. And, uh, you know, a, a couple of the key players, of course, one from right there in your backyard in South Carolina, mm-hmm. a kid that, a kid that, from what I'm told, uh, the Gamecocks didn't get in on until late, which is unfortunate because he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh but they're uber talented, but they're just inexperienced. So sometimes those older teams do better in the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, you take a look at some of the previous champions. Baylor was an old team. Virginia was an old team. Uh, 
Alabama is has got some veteran players like a Quinterly who comes off the bench now. Uh, Sears is a transfer from Ohio University, but but yeah, they to me, and I've said this now for three months. <laughs> they're they're the most talented team in college basketball. They just are. Um, and when they when they when they're hitting shots like they were last night, they're simply unbeatable. So uh, I, I think they certainly have the capability to do so. Yes, but I, I never bet on a team that doesn't have that track record to just go in there and win a title. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's very difficult. Speaking of the Gamecocks, uh, I got to give them credit. Missouri's a good team too. I mean, they've done a nice job out there with their new coach. Yeah, and they play really in your grill defense, as you know. And the Gamecocks were in that ball game until the last five minutes when they couldn't make a shot. A lot of that was due because of Missouri's uh, defense. But let me first of all repeat what I said the other night and credit Lamont Paris for doing the right thing as a head coach and sitting G.G. Jackson for about five minutes. And mm-hmm. I thought that was appropriate. And then that team played extremely hard, I thought. I think, I thought, I think they're playing hard. To me, a sign of a good coach in a bad season, does your team – still play like it has something to play for. And uh, they don't have anything to play for except personal pride. But they're playing like they've got something to play for. And I think you have to credit Paris for holding this team together and continuing to get a lot out of them at this point. Yeah, I would second that. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, there there are coaches in a similar situation and you've got to make a decision. Uh, are you going to compromise kind of some of your, your values and, and tenets that you want to instill into your program to truly change the culture, and if so, you might sacrifice a win or two. Uh, are you truly going to kind of get your fingerprints on the program in year one? You've got nothing to lose in year one. Yeah, uh, I, I know game, a lot of Gamecock fans are upset, uh, and they just figure, oh, my goodness, this is a bad year, and therefore uh, maybe this wasn't a, a good hire. I mean – they might be saying that at LSU with Matt McMahon, who there who has the same identical conference record. They might be saying that now. You mentioned Georgia with Mike White. I mean, they've had improvement, but they're not having a great year. They might be saying that at Mississippi State with a first-year head coach. Uh, but if you're realistic about things, you realize you've got to take a step backward as a first-year coach in, in more in more uh, scenarios than, than one in order to take a couple of steps forward. And I think. Right now, what those first-year coaches, including Coach Paris, are doing is they're taking their lumps, they're figuring out who their players are that they can build around, and they are going to hit the portal heavy in the offseason and get ready for uh, a year two that no doubt will be improved. But all these games do mean something. I will say that. Um, they, they, they all are building blocks. And like you said, they're still competing Still going out there and playing hard. You still have some players that will be back next year that are making their case for more playing time, et cetera, et cetera. So I would I would agree with your assessment. Yeah. As you look at the league from top to bottom, and you think about the offseason when it comes to the coaching carousel, will this be an offseason unless there's just something of major league surprise where everybody uh, stands put? Unless, you know, there's been talk of Texas maybe coming after Nate Oates at Alabama, but Alabama just, I think, extended him with a contract. But mm-hmm. I doubt Kentucky's going to do anything with uh, Calipari since he's kind of got things turned around a, a little bit there. Uh, and they got a chance to finish strongly and 
and get their way into the tournament. But does it look like it's going to be a quiet offseason around the league from that standpoint, unless somebody just ups and leaves for some reason? Yeah, I, I think it's got a chance to be painfully quiet. Hmm. Uh, and typically that's the way it works, right? Because you have six new coaches, which to my knowledge is unprecedented in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Six out of the 14 jobs flipped head coaches. Um, and a lot of the coaches that are around like a Jerry Stackhouse who picked up a big win last night. Uh, they haven't been around long enough to even put them on the hot seat. You know, the the only situation I think, and I, I, I hate it because I think Kermit Davis is an exceptional coach, but he has had just, if, if he didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. I think Ole Miss is going to be uh, a scenario where that could be in play. Uh, and And that'll be interesting because they fired Andy Kennedy who's doing a very good job at UAB. Um, and they haven't had much success at Ole Miss in a long, long time. So I, I, I don't know what the feeling is there, but I do know they're having back-to-back rough years, and uh, certainly Kermit is feeling some heat over there. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move with us here on Sports Talk for a, a couple of more minutes. You mentioned Vandy beating Tennessee in Nashville last night, a shot at the buzzer three-pointer they were down two hit the three from the corner I believe great play they got great penetration dished it out to the corner knocked it down just like Jerry Stackhouse drew it up I'm sure so what does that say about Tennessee um does it say anything to you about Tennessee because at times they look like they could win it all and there are times when it looks like they'll have a hard time getting past the second round well look I, I just had Tennessee on Saturday against Auburn and while they won the game on a controversial finish, by the way, uh, they, they, that was <laughs> that was a painful game to broadcast. Um, we had a sellout crowd. We had a we drew. I think the number was 1.1 million viewers on ESPN. We had a, a two top 25 teams, but neither team got to 50 points. Uh, you could say that's great defense. I would also say that's not great offense. And uh, <laughs> ten, 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 Tennessee is struggling to score. Uh, and that's been the knock on Rick Barnes. Like Rick Barnes, to me, is a very good coach, and they always defend well, and they're well coached. But they don't have a ton of offensive firepower. They they just don't. And, and that would concern me for a team that a lot of people think will be a one seed or a two seed. You know, eventually, you, you do have to score points. You can't just rely on a, on a on a great defense. And their defense, make no mistake about it, it's outstanding. Uh, but that would be a concern for me. Hmm. All right, let's talk real quick about Clemson going up to Chapel Hill. Uh, Funny, uh, North Carolina and Duke played on Saturday in Durham. Duke won. Then Duke goes to Virginia Tech, gets beat. And then North Carolina goes to Wake Forest and gets beat. So the post-rivalry hangover affected both of them, I guess, on the road playing, you know, teams that were hungry that played well. Now Clemson's got to go up to Chapel Hill. Tar Heels have lost three in a row. Clemson's lost two in a row. Clemson still leads the ACC. This could be a real knockout punch if Clemson can win up there, don't you think, in terms of the Tar Heels' postseason hopes, unless they get hot and make a run through the ACC tournament? I'd have to look at their their numbers, their metrics. You know, what, what is their net, uh, things of that nature. I, I don't know if they're they're that far out just yet. I don't know if a loss to Clemson would would knock them out of the box. I, I just off the top of my head from what I remember looking at the ACC numbers and records, 
they would still be in fairly good shape to get to the tournament. I don't think there's a great team in the ACC this year. I mean, that's that's the, the, the difference between this year and years past. Uh, Duke is not great. Tar Heels aren't great. Uh, but is that fair? Virginia, is that fair? Because when those two teams aren't great, people think the yeah. league is down. But don't you think Virginia's pretty good? Pittsburgh has gotten well, really good and playing good ball. Yeah. Miami's a good-looking team. Um, but I hear yeah, what you're yeah, saying. No. But the perception yeah. of the ACC is when those two teams are down, the league's not good. And and look, the the conference uh, RPI is six. So yeah, that, it stands to reason, I guess, that the the league rises and falls on the fate of those two programs. Well, you just um, a. I think you bring up a fair point, but b. You also brought up my point, which is the conference RPI is six for a reason, and and the the conference RPI that's just numbers. They don't care about blue blood bias or you know image of the league being good or bad based solely on on Duke and the Tar Heels. That's a different that's a different deal. It's it, Miami is a good team and Virginia is a good team. You're absolutely right. Uh, but overall, the strength of that league is not great. And look, the SEC has been good in years past when Kentucky has been down. So you don't have to have your your blue your blue blood great in order to be great. It's just not a terrific year for the ACC. Uh, and look, I think Clemson's a terrific story, but I don't think this is the year that the ACC can look at itself in the mirror and say this is one of our better seasons in recent memory. I, there, there's been too many disappointments in that conference. And they'll get plenty of bids. I just don't know how many of those teams can go deep into the tournament. Like everything else in March, it's unpredictable, and we could probably revisit this, and I'll be flat out wrong. But for right now, I don't see a dominating team in that league. Yeah, that's why a few years ago I came up with a a name for that. I call it March Madness. I don't know if you've heard that before, but that's what I came up with. <laughs> well, that's a brilliant concept. You yeah. have always been an innovator yeah. Uh, yeah. and a great thinker. Cutting edge, cutting edge. So before we let you go, uh, what will you be wearing? What will your wardrobe be on Saturday, provided by Brent Skinner, free of cost? Uh, what will you be when they come to you in the pregame and the and the halftime chat chat? What will you be looking like? Well, nothing is free in life, Phil. You should you should know that. But mm. uh, but I'll be going with uh, I'll be going with a little lavender, aka purple, uh, <laughs> on the jacket and uh, purple tie or. Uh, uh, Pocket square. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's got the nice. Uh, he's got terrific pants selection. I don't. I prefer the prefer the sports coat to the suit. He's got both, mm. but you can get a really slick sports coat that'll go with almost anything, and then incredibly comfortable pants. Half his wardrobe there is like from Italy. They they yeah. make good stuff in Italy. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's where I'm leaning for my uh, next assignment. And, and and what color rouge in the makeup category? They, who puts the makeup on you? Is there a makeup artist there that puts it on you? Oh, folks? heck no. No, we don't have that. Those that's the big time uh, studio people. They have makeup people. We're on our own and uh the the farthest I go into the makeup well is a slight and I stress the word slight powder just so when the lights are beaming on my head it doesn't shine, reflect back, and and blind the people watching at home. <laughs> no lipstick, huh? You don't, you don't, you don't paint no the lipstick, lips a little no bit. Blush, huh? No blush. No, no, no. Uh, you know, nowadays that 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 would certainly be accepted. But no, I don't, I don't go that way. Uh, just a slight powder. That's about it. Okay. By the way, I shared with uh, Chris Bergen today. I didn't want to bring it up on the air, but I shared the story of you and uh, 
Susan Walvius and Michelle Marciniak from <laughs> years ago at a local you, restaurant, and uh, he he, he yeah. got a kick out of that story. Yeah, you you you've got like the same five stories. <laughs> They're so uh, good. That's why I keep them. They're so good. Well, I'm flattered to be part of your playlist of stories because I've got at least three or four of your five that come up. <laughs> and, and so I'm just I'm glad to be a part of that. But, yes, uh, that was quite an experience. Uh, the, the Tom Price stories are legendary. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got a few. When, when the book comes out, Phil, I'll make sure you write the, uh, the forward. I look forward to that. To writing the forward Absolutely. and the backward. I'll write the backward and the, and backward. the forward. Yeah. You could even write the middle. What the I'll hell? write the middle. Listen, you have a great Good. call. Where are you Saturday? I am actually off Saturday. Uh, next Tuesday, I will be in Columbia to do the uh, Gamecock-Vanderbilt game. Well, we look forward to uh, meeting you for lunch. I, I, I hope I will hear from you. Typically, when you call Phil Kornblut, it's voicemail and I know you wake up about one thirty in the afternoon. Just call my people. Your show. Just call my yeah, people. Uh, That's all. Just call in, my in, people. Ins- insane show prep from uh, one thirty to six o'clock, and uh, and then you get ready for the East Coast Hockey League report. I understand. <laughs> it's a lot going on there. <laughs> Miss, How are the Inferno I, doing this year? Are they leading the, the East Coast? <laughs> I do miss the East Coast Hockey League report. Yes, indeed. That was radio gold. Yeah. Please bring that back yeah. for your audience. That and Kyle Petty's notebook. Those were great moments on Sports Talk. Kyle Petty's notebook. How about behind the ropes? Are we doing behind the ropes anymore? But you know what? I miss behind the ropes. Inside the ropes. Inside the ropes. No, inside the ropes. Inside Even the ropes. better. Inside the ropes. Even better than Went away a few years ago. Mike? Thank How you so much the for Bob the memories. Bob Schuster uh, Clemson commissary report. Are we, are we still, is that all? <laughs> no. Schuster's <laughs> on to bigger and better things and all right, bothering all us right. here on Sports well, Talk. Bring that back, please. Bring it back. Uh, Good to talk it, to you. The great programming, just like uh, Morgan on the move. Everything we touch <laughs> right. turns to gold here. All right, go on. We'll it's see you. Talk to you next all week. Right. And see you next Adios. week, baby. All right, thank you. Mike Morgan, uh, Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk quite the one and only individual Mike Morgan. Uh, Shall we break here and come back with recruiting? Shall we break? We will break and come back with the recruiting report here on Sports Talk. Landon Powell joining us at uh, the bottom of the hour, 735. We'll talk North Greenville. North Greenville. National Championship Baseball. They're off to a 4-0 start. And then uh, Jim Corbett in our final minutes tonight. He's keeping a close watch on the happenings in Walterboro. The Murdoch trial drags on, and he'll share his thoughts on that. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina education lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? 
transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces, and the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device, whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. All right, time for recruiting, brought to you by Seawells. And as you are listening to us and maybe watching us on the stream, you're seeing highlights of Jonathan Paler, who we're going to be talking about in just a moment in recruiting. Brought to you by Seawells. Hey, roast beef Friday tomorrow, a little RBF action. I can't make it. I got to go up to Chicago for family business. But that just means there'll be more for the rest of you. It is an RBF at Seawells tomorrow. Roast beef Friday. Don't miss it. 11 till 2, best buffet around, every day, Monday through Friday. But Fridays are special because it's RBF, Roast Beef Friday. And for the very best in the catering business, that too would be Seawells, the only call you need to make, 803-771-7385, online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. Jonathan Paler, big-time receiver out of North Carolina, 59170, speedster, 60-meter guy, in North Carolina, tells us right now South Carolina is his favorite. It's not that close. Quote, South Carolina is really leading the pack now due to Coach Beamer coming to the school and meeting the new offensive coordinator and everything like that. A couple of guys they have signed have been keeping in touch with me, showing me love and everything like that, keeping in touch with my family once a week. Little things like that really catches my attention. So he really likes South Carolina. They are the leaders over NC State right now he was at nc state on the 21st and those two teams are in his top 10 he announced in november clemson georgia maryland lsu alabama ohio state tennessee and north carolina the others he was at usc for a game last season also in for a visit in april to watch a spring practice and uh he just likes the coaches and likes the guys who are recruiting him and the location is good for him as well uh, he uh, added that Clemson is also continuing to recruit him, and he's interested still in Clemson at this point. He's been to Clemson before and may go back up there as well as visiting South Carolina again once his indoor track season is over. He might also get to North Carolina. He went to North Carolina for a game in January. Then he'll take his official visits with an eye towards making a decision in three to four months. He also tells us that he's hearing from USC commitments Dante Reno, Mazio Bennett, and Nick Harbour, and that has been a plus for him as well. He's also met the new offensive coordinator, Dowell Loggins, and he's talked to Justin Stepp. we got more recruiting coming up in a moment. Ferris?
All right, we got the point. Pat likes that bumper. Landon Powell in just a second. Continue with recruiting. And if you're watching the stream, I have changed the video highlights to uh, Heaven Brown Schuler, the big defensive tackle who we talked about last night. So you can watch some Heaven Brown Schuler highlights while we finish up recruiting. Uh, just a final couple of notes here on Paler. His numbers last year. By the way, USC, he says, tells him he could be like a Debo Samuel for them. Catching the ball, running the ball, playing receiver, playing running back. Last season, he rushed for 1,054 yards and 17 touchdowns, averaging 14 yards a carry. He caught 27 passes, 725 yards, five touchdowns, 27 yards per catch. Update on Blake Franks, offensive guard from Greenville High. Coach Greg Porter tells us, he thinks he's getting close to what he wants to do. He's He is sure it's going to be in February. He said there's a special date coming up he's thinking about waiting for. He doesn't know if it's a family thing, something special that's happening in February. That's He's waiting for that date to do it. Maybe it's going to be Valentine's Day. Uh, but he says, Coach Porter says it will be done in February, and he thinks it's all about the engineering departments between Clemson and South Carolina. That seems to be the determining factor right now, and he wants him to uh, talk about that with his family and talk to the right people so he can get the right answers so he can feel comfortable uh, about his decision. Wisconsin offered Franks today, but it's not going to be a factor there. New USC offers going out wide receiver Courtney Crutchfield Pine Bluff, Arkansas, 2025 defensive end Bryce Davis of Greensboro, and 2026 cornerback Dorian Barney of McDonough, Georgia. USC target defensive end Jamonta Waller was offered by Alabama. Riverside defensive tackle Marcus Downs offered by Arkansas, Virginia Tech. 2025 defensive tackle Amir Adams of Lake City offered by Ohio State. In basketball, Rick Lewis of Phenon Hoops reported that 6'5", Austin Swartz, 2025 6'5", Isaiah Henry, teammates, Concord, North Carolina, USC was going to be in today to see the two of them. And that is it for recruiting tonight right here on Sports Talk. Now, let's talk some baseball with the head coach of the defending Division II national champions as Coach Landon Powell joins us here on Sports Talk. They ain't messing around. They're already playing ball. They're already 4-0. and oh. Just like you guys never stopped from last year, congratulations on the great start. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. I, I love hearing that song in the background, Take Me Out of the Ball Game. It's, it's that time of year. It's a little early for some folks, but we're already playing baseball, and uh, that's, that's a fun, happy time of year for me. Oh, no doubt. So how much of last year is back this year? We're returning a lot. Um, so I think six or seven starters, uh, let's see, six position player starters and the starting pitcher and the and the guy that threw three innings out of the bullpen in the national championship game, all those guys are back. So um, we're returning our catcher and our right fielder, who are both first-team All-Americans. Um, we're returning our third baseman, our shortstop, um, and then a utility guy that could kind of play all over the field. And then uh, our right-handed pitcher, Reese Fields, who's a Columbia native, he was College World Series MVP last year as a sophomore, so he's back now for his junior year. But uh, we're really excited about the roster we have. A lot of returners, also a really strong recruiting class, some of, some of the best players we've ever brought in. So we, we feel like we have a talented bunch, and 
we're going to try to do it again. We had a lot of fun last year, so uh, might as well try to do it again. Well, you know, once is nice, twice is twice as nice, as they say. Uh, <laughs> you're swinging the bats pretty well here early on. Team batting average of three thirty nine. Obviously, it's early, but uh, and and the numbers are kind of crazy. Like you're leading hitter right now i think he's batting 857 so i mean that's going to change eventually but is this going to be another big offensive team yeah i think i think we'll be able to compete pretty well on both sides of the baseball um, a lot of returning guys that had great years last year offensively so we we feel pretty good that we're going we're to put up some runs um our our two three four hole hitters are all back from last year and two of those guys had made all american so uh, we, we think we can swing it a little bit um, pitching, I would say our pitching staff was great last year. Kind of, kind of surprisingly, uh, going into the season, I, I was worried about our pitching staff. Thought my, that that might be our weakness, but at the end of the year, it ended up being our strength. And uh, we have a lot of those guys back, plus some new arms that came in. So I, I feel really good about our pitching staff as well. And um, you know, if talent will not be the issue this year, if we if we win it or not, um, it'll be. You know, if everyone stays happy and we pull the rope in that same direction, the camaraderie of the team's got to stay strong and um, got to stay healthy. Um, and, you know, in baseball, the ball's got to bounce your way. Um, there's a lot of great teams around the country. And, um, you know, you, the best team doesn't always win. It's the hottest team and the team that catches the breaks. And um, so we're going to need we're gonna need the ball to bounce our way. But I had, a, I had a, an uncle of mine that I, I love very much and trust, and he said something to me the other day that kind of made me chuckle, but it's true. You can't three-peat until you repeat. Mm. So that's our goal right now. We're trying to win this next one. So <laughs> He is thinking down the road. Um, I got to break in with some breaking news of importance. You won't mind. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, according to Sports Illustrated, things have been worked out so they can leave the Big 12 and join the SEC in 2024. They finalized an agreement with the Big 12 as well as the television partners to exit the league one year earlier than scheduled. This according to SI. Under the agreement, the schools would join the SEC in July 2024 in time to participate in the 24 football season. So, uh, you being an old SEC guy yourself, I mean, it's only going to get tougher in that league in every aspect. It just it just means more, right? So, uh, it that's uh, that's going to make some people happy when it comes to the bank accounts and uh, the piggy banks. Uh, that's you're talking about two powerhouses that bring huge fan bases with them and a lot of money. SEC is in a league of its own, I would say right now. And um, I live up here in the Upstate, where a lot of the Clemson folks hate, they hate hearing that, but uh, it, it is true. The SEC is just with the addition of those two teams and and the strength of the SEC shown the last several years. It's uh, it's the best conference in the country. It's probably hard to argue. Oh, absolutely. All right, back to your team and your situation. It's early in the year. Uh, you're the heavy favorite uh, to win it all again, both uh, in your in your league and your region. And, you know, I guess a, a heavy favorite to win. I shouldn't say heavy because there's a lot of good baseball teams around the country and a lot of things can happen over the course of a season. But do you um, – who do you see, like, in your in your league, in your region – who might challenge you this season? Well, we, you know, we are we're, we're preseason ranked number one in the country, and, and and so that does put a target on our back. And um, you know, we we know that we're going to get everyone else's best game. Um, that's that's what happens when you're leading from the front. And uh, 
you know, I was fortunate to be on some teams in South Carolina that that was that that we were that way. We were always ranked in the top couple in the country, and you know, whoever you play, they're going to give you their best game. But um, there, there's a lot of parity in, in college baseball, and, and especially in Division Two baseball here in the Southeast. A lot of really good teams. Um, you know, our conference had four or five teams ranked in the top 25. I believe our region, the Southeast region, which is about 40 different teams. I think we had eight teams in the top 25, and five of them were in the top 13. Mm. So our conference is kind of the the SEC version of Division II baseball. Um, we got a lot of really good teams. So Mount Olive is a, is a powerhouse. Uh, UNC Pembroke, uh, Belmont Abbey University. Um, you know, we're, we're bringing in Young Harris to our college uh, to our conference. He's a really good team. So a lot of good programs in in our region here, and then you know. Another Division II powerhouse. They've won eight national championships in the uh, in the history of Division II baseball is Tampa University. Um, I'm hearing that they're really good this year. Uh, we started our season last weekend down in Houston at Minute Maid Park, where the Astros play uh, in the Winter Classic, and uh, it was hosted by Central Missouri, who is another Division II powerhouse. They, in the last seven years, they're the winningest program in Division II baseball. And North Greenville University, my school, is second. Hmm. Um, in the last five years, you flip that. We're first in the country in wins, and they're second. So we opened the season with them. It was a big matchup. We're ranked first. I think they're ranked seventh. And uh, we had a great game. We beat them 12-1, to 1, which was a, a good start to the year. Um, so there's a lot of good baseball out there, but we got a good team. We just got to take care of our business and, um, you know, see what happens when, uh, when it gets down to the end there in the postseason. All right. Uh, last question for you. Uh, when it gets down to the tough times and you got to give the ball to that one guy to go out and get you the win that you got to get, who do you give the ball to? Well, last year, and it'll probably be the same this year, was a guy named Reese Fields. He's mm-hmm. a Columbia. He lives in West Columbia. Um, he went to great collegiate for several years, and then I think he finished his last year of high school at P27 Academy there in Columbia, um, Lexington. So he's a, he's a junior this year for us, team captain. Last year was conference pitcher of the year and was the College World Series MVP. So um, we feel really comfortable when Reese has the ball. We also have some great bullpen arms that come in after him. Uh, a guy named Mike Rodriguez from Florida. He, he has the nickname of the Nightmare. <laughs> he's a he's a six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound lefty, throwing ninety four, ninety five with a with a really good breaking ball. Um, we got another guy named Dawson Taylor from Boiling Springs, South Carolina, who's a ninety four mile per hour lefty um, that that has become dominant recently. And I got one more local Columbia guy. He went to Lexington High School. His name is Nate Roof, and um, he's a 93, 94-mile-per-hour right-handed pitcher with a with a devastating slider. So we feel like the combination of Reese and those bullpen arms, we're going to be tough to beat. So I would love to have the ball in their hands in a big game late. But uh, um, we got to get there first, a lot of season to play. Um, I'm just excited this baseball season. I, I, I love this time of year. Um, I'm just I love coaching these guys. I love what I do for a living, and I'm excited to get out there and watch them compete and and uh, keep winning some games and having some fun. Well, what you're doing, of course, is raising the awareness in a lot of ways about your university, and uh, people are paying attention. you got a home weekend series against uh, Mississippi College beginning tomorrow at 3, weather permitting, and then noon on Saturday and 3 o'clock on uh, two games on Saturday, noon and 3. So – I'm sure the fans are turning out in big numbers. Everybody loves a winner. I got to believe you guys can't go anywhere around campus without a pat on the back and a and a that's you know way to go and that kind of stuff from the from your supporters there. 
It's been good. Yeah, uh, the university's been very supportive, and, and, and we're not known for athletics at North Greenville University. It was It's a Bible college. It's been a seminary school for years and years, and um, athletics was never, um, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of championships and stuff in the school's history. So the baseball program has definitely raised the caliber of the athletic program as a whole. We're starting to see other programs have a lot of success as well. And, but for us, you know, we won the first ever conference championships uh, seven years ago, I guess it was, eight years ago when I first got hired. That was that was the first ever Division II conference championship in school history. And then to, to parlay that into a national championship this past year, it's been a fun experience. Um, you know, it's a great university. Uh, it's Division II baseball is so much better than people think. It gets disrespected a little bit. But uh, Division II baseball, especially in the south and southeast, is tremendous. So uh, I appreciate the, the, the folks that do pay attention. We had a great turnout on opening day. And I hope more folks come to see us play throughout the year because we're playing. We play a high brand of baseball. We got really talented kids. Um, we fly all over the field. We hit for power. We run bases. We have pitchers that can really sling it. It's uh, it's fun baseball to watch. So come check us out. Oh yeah, well, listen. We appreciate your time as always. Good luck. We'll keep in regular contact. Talk to you many more times. And best of luck to you. Thanks for the time. Phil, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Landon Powell, Gamecock great and national championship coach there at North Greenville University. And Ray Tanner's got nothing on his former player since uh, he's got a ring as well. We're going to hit the break when we come back. Jim Corbett, attorney for the Stars, going to join us. He's been watching that murder case down in uh, Walterboro, the, the trial that has captured the attention of the state and the nation. You know, they had to evacuate the courthouse yesterday because of a bomb threat. You didn't know that? It hasn't captured your imagination, apparently, Pat. Yeah, they had to evacuate because of a bomb threat. Uh, and so he'll uh, share some thoughts on what's been going on. That's coming up next. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15. Win up to $2,500. Or play all 15 numbers, and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop. It's the light of the party. Why are interscholastic sports called the last classroom of the day? Because they teach students important life lessons, like teamwork, accountability, and perseverance. School sports are so much more than a game. They're about developing the whole person. That's why they're an essential part of every student's education. Encourage your student to participate in the last classroom of the day. Interscholastic Sports in South Carolina. This message presented by the SCHSL and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. All right, Jim Corbett coming up in just a moment. Update the first round of play. Out in Phoenix, the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. Nick Taylor, Adam Hadwin, they're 5-under, 66. Xander Shoffley's at 4-under. Chesson Hadley's on the course at 4-under. Others that we uh, watch with a lot of interest, John Rahm, 1-under through 12. And uh, Jordan Spieth. Even par 71, same for Lucas Glover. Justin Thomas is even through 11. 
Scheffler is even through 10. You've got uh, Rory in with a 73 at two over. Morikawa, a 73. Cameron Young, a 73. Uh, Russell Henley, uh, plus two at the turn. Doc Redman, plus two after seven. Kevin Kisner, a 74, plus three. And Matt Neesmith, plus eight, 79. They were delayed this morning with the start because of frost. I think I saw frost on the ground there delayed them. All right, there you go with that. And let's welcome in our favorite attorney in the world, if you ever need an attorney. Uh, Jim Corbett is the man to uh, reach out to, and Jim's been keeping an eye on the Murdoch case for us. The story you're about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. All right, and Jim joins us after an almost another compelling week of testimony. And eventually, the defense will be able to present their case. But, Jim, thanks for joining us. What have you taken away from what you've seen and heard since the last time we talked to you last week? Hey, Phil, how you doing? Um, this week has been a, a, a redo uh, of the testimony that was heard by the judge last week about the financial crimes. He ruled they were admissible. So we had the same witnesses basically testify about the same thing. Uh, this time in front of the jury, about uh, the reason the prosecution says Alex Murdoch wanted to divert attention. Um, Jeannie Seckinger, who's the CFO of the law firm, talks about $792,000 missing, and he, she told Alex Murdoch that day of the murders. Um, friend Chris Wilson uh, had wanted $192,000 back that he had loaned Alex to cover over some things. And one of these deals that has been uh, the subject of the criminal investigation for financial crimes, the CEO of Palmetto State Bank, Jan Molinowski, said by August 2021, about two months after the murders, Alex owed $4.2 million to the bank. He'd overdrafted his account by $350,000. Oh. And, of course, Michael Satterfield is the the um, son of the uh, housekeeper who fell and um, died and there was a $4.3 million settlement that Alex uh, orchestrated, believe it or not, even though it was at his house where it fell and he was a defendant. Uh, the insurance company paid $4.3 million, and he never saw any of it, neither did anyone else in the family. Um, there was some ballistics experts uh, earlier in the week who testified uh, about the uh, 300 caliber blackout rifle, um, and the, the shell casings were the same in the area of the murder as were found. Uh, uh, elsewhere on the grounds, and, and there's testimony about the sh- the, the, the Murdoch's using guns and the, and the rounds a lot, um, and uh, you know some inconclusive uh, testimony about the shotgun tests uh, were inconclusive. Uh, if um, uh, they had the shotgun they had was the one that had fired uh, the the rounds that killed Paul, so that was the basic the the, the nuts and bolts of, of going forward. But part of the, the testimony was that two more people, um, including uh, Alex's law partner, identified his voice and Maggie's voice on the video, which was taken and uploaded just minutes before the murders. And they all were at the kennel. And that's what Alex that uh, contradicts what Alex has said several times to the investigators early on, uh, that he was never near the kennels. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting now that, that the, the words of Alex Murdo, who's never taken the stand, but was videotaped, and the videotape of, the, of his uh, interview has been shown, and 
written transcripts and people have testified about what he said, his own words are being used to try to help convict him. Um, you know, here's a lawyer who you think would know better yeah. uh, than to say I wasn't near the kennels when someone was taking a video just minutes before these murders happened. Um, you know, we were talking earlier today about the, 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 the human element of, you know, sometimes spouses do terrible things to each other, but rarely do parents do something to their own child. And that's a, a, something the jury's going to have to, you know, come to terms with when they go through everything, including the timeline, which is getting, as I mentioned last Friday, you know, tighter and tighter down that, that Alex Murdo was there on the grounds when the murders happened. And one of the things that I haven't seen anything about in, the, in these reports was, did he hear anything? And apparently he had said he slept, took a nap from 830 to 9, and the murders happened, you know, um, about 840, 849, I think is the timeline. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of talk, uh, testimony about the, the cell phones and when they turned on and off and when they went dark. Um, but, you know, and there's that, that cell phone video of him near the kennels. Um, so the financial crimes were, were testified to by these witnesses over the last couple of days. Um, and the, um, um, the, the ballistics expert was on the stand earlier this week too. Um, so a lot of, a lot of bad stuff about Alex Murdoch and the criminal, uh, the financial crimes have come out and that's to establish motive, not to prove that he's a bad person. Uh, and the, the jury has been instructed that several times by the judge. Mm. Um, there have been some, you know, some interesting things, though. Um, you, you probably saw about the hijinks, which I'll talk to you about in a second. But it was interesting. Chris Wilson, the family friend who talked about the debt that he was owed by Alex and he wanted it back. And that was part of the pressure, according to the prosecution's theory. He also ID'd the voice on the video, along with Ronnie Crosby, one of Alex's law partners. And he, he was quoted as saying at some point during the trial that to testimony that after all this came out, he realized he didn't really know his best friend, Alex. But he also agreed. With the prosecute with the uh, defense lawyers, when they asked him, wasn't Alex Murdo's number one priority in his life his family? He said yes, and he said Alex and Maggie. He was asked were they getting along, Alex and Maggie, because you know you and I had seen reports of some people saying that she had seen a divorce attorney. No testimony yet about that. No witnesses, but and of course you know Chris Wilson agreed that they were getting along. Um, it's just you know there's there's a lot of food for thought here. Uh, if you look at the media, um, the social media part, not the media, the social media commentary, it's all over the place about terrible job. Don't see how they can prove this. Alex Murdo is a bad person, but let's, let's concentrate on the murder trial. They're burying him. Um, you know, everybody's got their own opinion. Sure. And this is why uh, you know, you're glad that the, um, uh, the jury is hearing everything and being able to watch every witness. We might be able to spend a little while watching during the day. Some people listening right now want to spend a whole lot more time actually watching everything than you or I, but they haven't seen it all. And that's, you know, the jury's job is to look at all and to gauge the witnesses for the truthfulness. Mm -hmm. um, did you hear about some of the hijinks this week? Did I catch your eye? Which one? We got about 30 seconds. Which ones? Um, the the son was a, a reported the son had flipped off attorney Mark Tinsley, uh, who testified that he might have dropped, he would have dropped the, the trial, the uh, lawsuit of Mallory Beach's death against Alex individually if vigilantes had killed uh, his family members. Uh, there was a GoFundMe account established for um, the caretaker for Murdo's uh, mother, and Tinsley donated $1,000 to it after it went, on, went up. And uh, the daughter of, of, uh, of the caretaker said it was because um, her mother had been so brave and uh, honest that she needed to be rewarded. 
So, and there was a, oh, there's a bomb scare. Two and a half hours left. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. We talked about that. Hey Jim, so, thank uh, you, just, thank you, and right. uh, we will get with you next week as things continue to grind on there in Walterboro. Thank you very much, Jim Corbett, with the uh, insight on the Murdoch trial. That will do it. I'm off tomorrow. The guys will be here. They got a great show for you tomorrow night. Y'all have a great one. I'll see you next week.